Good morning, everyone, and uh, those watching online, too. And, uh, well, I want to say one more thing again. Um, don't forget, we have the Chronological Bible class right after church, and so good. You just join in every week, even if you haven't had the ones before. Everyone is really good, and it's there, and, and we learned the, the Bible, the whole Bible, and how it all fits together. And the prayer holly we have over here, after church, if you need prayer, just go there, and one of the elders will be there to um, pray with you. And um, the work day, I just wanted to, to uh, again, th this is a kupuna that uh, he's in the Alice category that we were talking about, and uh, he can't pay his bills every month. And um, if we fix that up and get a good renter in there, we need a good renter, because he had a renter that trashed the place a good renter in there and fix it so that he can have a good renter and then he can have his in income coming in and uh, he'll do better. But also he wants to um, give us that property for $100,000 off what the asking price was because he wants to have that Puahonua uh, Marai, um, that village, Hawaiian village we want to build so people can get house, people like him which is 50% of this island, the mayor told me. They're working, but they can't pay their bills every month. So we have a place where people can live and can enjoy life in a, in a way that they're not struggling every month. So that's what we're doing. That's why we're, we're trying to clean it up and, and do that to serve someone like him. So I'm going to continue on waiting on the Lord, but first, and I'll tell you how it connects, okay, if you don't know how this connects. I want to tell you the story of my mentor. You know, I, I teach, um, well, I do have a PhD in intercultural studies, but really, he was the one that first started me on the whole journey to even want to do that. And uh, just tell you the story um, of how he started in this way, that now, you know, I've, I've taught all around the world on this, on this subject, but um, what he, his personal experience and if you want to read more about it, it was a best-selling book about his life and what happened. So um, briefly, in the 60s, he was uh, in seminary, wanted to be a missionary, wanted to share the love of Jesus with people. And his mission organization went to Papua New Guinea. And so the mission organization said, okay, what, kind of, what people do you want to go to in Papua New Guinea? Because they have tons of tribes all with their own languages. And he said, um, you know, and, and they said, well, we got three types of tribes over there right now that we're going to. Uh, headhunters, you know, they, they'll kill you and take your head. Uh, cannibals, or those, they'll just kill you, but they won't do anything with your body afterwards. Okay, which ones you want to go to? And he said, um, I just want to go to uh, people that haven't heard about Jesus. So he said, okay. And so he was really blessed because he went to a tribe of head-hunting cannibals. Now, this is really rare. Usually people will take your head or they'll eat you. They don't do both. So he was really blessed. And so he went there with his wife and his baby son and going out into the jungles, you know, malaria and deadly snakes and all kind of deadly animals you can think of. And um, the people we went to, the Sawi people, they thought treachery was the highest virtue. 
So they had something they called fattening with friendship. That if I say, hey, come over for dinner, and then we, you know, I feed you, and, you know, be your friend, and I do that for three months and fatten you up, and then I take your head and eat you, I'll be a famous in the tribe. And everybody say, wow, you're such an awesome guy. We all want to marry our daughters to you. You're so awesome. They thought treachery was the highest virtue. So this is the kind of people he went to. He didn't know their, they didn't have any dictionary. He had to figure out their language. And finally, after, after going there, okay, waiting on the Lord, first step out. And then he's doing all this. He's waiting, waiting, waiting for how long to just be able to speak to them about the gospel. And finally, he goes into the manhouse where the elders were, were meeting, and he's all excited. Finally, he gets to share with them the gospel. He shares with them the gospel. And uh, guess what? They think Judas is the hero of the story because he was so treacherous. And they're like, wow, man, this guy is so awesome. He fooled Jesus for three years? That's longer than any of us. He betrayed Jesus with a kiss? Wow, that's a new technique. Tell us more about, oh, tell us more about him and his techniques. And, um, you know, my friend, after all those years of suffering, and he tells them the gospel, and they think Judas is the hero of the story? Isn't it time to dust off your shoes and leave? If any people should go to hell, somebody like that, right? But God put this supernatural love for them in him, and he just prayed and prayed. And then, see, because they don't trust each other, the villages stay far apart from each other in the jungle. But two villages came around his hut because, see, they only had stone knives, stone axes, and so on, and he had iron, and they wanted his iron tools. So here these two tribes come close to each They don't trust each other. They don't like each other. And there was always these wars in front of his house. And, you know, they prayed for them. His wife was a nurse. They pulled out arrows. They used a lot of penicillin, but nobody died while they were there. But the next day he gets up, goes out, and there's another war in front of his house. And he tells them, look, if you guys don't stop fighting, I'm going to leave. And um, they, they're saying, Don, please don't leave. Please don't leave. But you got to understand, it's hard for us to make peace. Yeah, because if I want to make peace with you, you don't know if I really want to make peace with you or I want to take your head and eat you. But he said, okay. You know, he says, no, I'm really going to leave. So they said, tomorrow we'll make peace. So he said, okay, i got to see what they're going to do. And uh, so the next day, the two villages line up across the muddy battlefield in front of his house. And then he sees a young warrior carrying his only son, running across the muddy battlefield to the other side. The mother running behind him, crying and screaming, saying, why does my son have to be the sacrifice for peace? Falling in the mud, putting the mud on her, crying, why does my son have to be the sacrifice for peace? So he thinks, oh, they're going to kill this child. So he was about to stop it, but the warrior goes and puts the child in the arms of another warrior on the other side. And that warrior says, I accept this child as a sacrifice for peace. And then he passes it to the next warrior and the next person till the other village all put their hands on that child and say, we accept this child as a sacrifice for peace. So he's saying, this sounds 
vaguely familiar. Somebody sacrificing their only son to make peace. And he says, you know, so he, he, he started asking them, you know, what is this ritual? And he was, the ritual was called the, the peace child. That, that child was called the peace child. And as long as that child lived, there would be peace. And he says, hmm. But Jesus, now he'll live forever. So, that he, you know, you'll have peace forever. So he learned new words. He went back in the manhouse and he shared the gospel again. This time he called Jesus God's peace child. And then all the elders were filled with, Don, Don, why didn't you tell us Jesus was the peace child before? He was all, they were all nervous. They were all, and, and um, Don says, you know, why? And they said, because in their culture, whoever kills the peace child is the worst criminal in their society. You see how God had a plan. He had a plan even for a people like this. And all of a sudden, Judas from the hero becomes the worst criminal in their society. If we join in with God's plan. And they all said, we want to lay hands on God's peace child. And the whole tribe accepted Jesus. See, so what is the difference between this tribe being Judas worshipers and Jesus worshipers? Joining in with what God's plan was and what he was already doing, even for a tribe like this. So if he had a plan for even a tribe like this, don't you think he has a plan for your life? Don't you think he has a plan for Hawaii? He, he has a plan for everyone. And so that's what I do. You know, I go and teach um, missionaries uh, uh, about how to look for God's plan. Don't tell God to join me in what I think and what I should do. See, that's what Don was doing. Okay, what I learned, what I think, what I should do. Soon as he joined in with God's plan that he had for that people, that made the difference between the tribe being Judas worshipers and Jesus worshipers. That's how radical this difference can be. And um, I want to read to you from um, Acts 17 and what Paul says there, Acts 17, 24. I'll start with God telling the Athenians, He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since He is Lord of heaven and earth, He doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve His needs, for He has no needs. He Himself gives life and breath to everything, and He satisfies every need. From one man, He created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and He determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards Him and find Him, though He is not far from any one of us. For in Him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are His offspring. So God had a plan for every people group on earth. He had a plan there that He's working and we need to find out what that plan is. And that's all the books I've written about Hawaii. Is about, it's about God's plan he had here. And when we join in with his plan, what happens? 
And this is the same plan that, you know, if I had time, I could tell you stories all around the world. In fact, every time a people group has come to Christ and stayed there for many generations, it always was joining in what, what God was already doing. And so for us too, we need to join in with what God is doing because He has a plan for your life. If He has plans for these people who are headhunting cannibals who thought Judas was the hero of the story, He has a plan for your life. He placed all people where they should be in their time. So if you're here right now, He wants you to be a part of His plan. Why? He loves us and He has great plans and purposes for you. He has great plans and purposes, but because He's love, we got to choose to join in with His plan. He doesn't force us to do that, otherwise He wouldn't be the loving us. Because love, He could force us, He's almighty, all-powerful, He can make us do anything He wants, but He is love. He is aloha, and it won't force us to do anything. We have to choose. So like the father or the prodigal son, He just waits for us to come home. And he, he calls us, he calls us, but we have to choose. And no matter how old, how young, he has a plan. And you read through the Bible, it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter how young you are, we join in with his plan. And you will start seeing miracles happen in our lives. Amen. So um, I want to continue just Revelations 13, 8. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. This is in the end times. All whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb who was slain from the foundation of creation. It was already ordained that Jesus would die for us from the beginning of creation. And 1 Peter 1, 18-20. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited. He has a purpose and plan. That's not just so I can make money to feed myself and buy me a, some toys. He has an eternal plan for eternal rewards for you and he, an adventure with Him. And it doesn't matter, doesn't matter if you think you're nothing because you join in with God's plan and He's almighty. Almighty plus nothing is still almighty. And that's why a little boy can defeat the greatest warrior of his day, David defeating Goliath. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you. That's how much he loves you. From the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless Lamb of God. He chose, God chose him as your ransom. His own son as your ransom. Long before the world began, again, he has a plan. From before the world began, he was already destined to die for you. But he has now revealed him to you in these last days. So again, he, you know, if you're here in Hawaii or if you're watching from somewhere else in the world online, he has a plan. But if we want that's why we have that on the wall. If you want that to happen, we have to choose. That's all we have to do. Choose. Then he starts working in our life because he won't go over our free will. And it's not that we're going to be perfect. We'll fall. But it's, it's like um, 
a plane flying from here to New York, do you know it's, it's off course almost all the time? But it, it corrects for the wind shear, the pressure, and it corrects, corrects, and the faster you get back on God's plan, the faster you get to New York, faster you get to your destination of what he has for us. So, you know, for, for myself too, I, you know, how did my ancestors get here? Okay, I'm of Japanese ancestry, and I got, you know, our family came here, and um, I found out that I was from a, you know, a samurai family, and Harvey Tajiri told me, yeah, all the people from that area, they were samurai that came from that area. And in fact, uh, there's a Kikawa castle and everything over there <laughs> in Japan. And I, because I was teaching martial arts, oh man, uh, you know, samurai, I want to be that. In fact, it's like, you know, it, he was a daimyo, so it's like being, a, you know, a, a knight on... King Arthur's Round Table, and I wanted to wow the heritage, but I found out they changed our name when, when I got here from Kikawa to Kikawa because people were pronouncing it Kikikawa, Kikikawa, and so they decided to change it. But what happened? Kikawa is a royal name, and see, in Japan at that time, only the royalty had names, everybody else they didn't have names. So now when you say Kikawa, what that is, is the peasant who lived, Kikawa means the tree by the river. The peasant who lived by the tree by the river from royalty. And I hated it, and I was so angry and everything. I wanted that because that's what I wanted. But then uh, several people gave me prophecies, not knowing what my last name meant, that, you, you know, from the scripture, that you will be like a tree by the river, whose leaves will be for the healing of the nations. And I'm like, you know, okay, whatever. This uh, Japanese boy from Kaimuki going to heal nations? You know, yeah, right. You know, um, but just he, had a, he has a plan that seems so big for us that we don't believe it. And we got to step out in faith first, and then he meets us. But we also got to remember one more thing. You know, we know God by creation around us. Romans 1.20 says, when you plant the seed, the next day do you harvest the fruit? It takes time for the fruit to come. And for me, everything we've done, now there's many things. It's taken seven years of prayer and work and protecting the vision from, you know, you plant the seed, you water, you fertilize, you protect you from the weeds and the wild animals that come and want to eat it. It's taken seven years. But, you know, the, the longer you have to wait for the fruit, if you look at nature, you have things that fruit in one year, they're dead. The, the things that give fruit for a long time Take a long time before the fruit comes. But when the fruit comes, there's lots of fruit. And so that's how it was. And, you know, to everything that we've done, 
you know, how, how do this Japanese boy write books of, for, about Hawaiian history and have be one of the founders of a Hawaiian ministry? It doesn't make sense, it doesn't, you know, and all of those things, but I was on Oahu for, for five days, you know, meeting with people for raising the funds for the housing project we want to do and other things. But, you know, just so honored. Like the, the head of the Hawaiian churches, you know, just wanting to, to meet with me. Um, you know, I've met with two vice presidents of Kamehameha schools who changed their schedule to meet with me. And um, these hoko-winning musicians that are just, I went to a birthday party for one of their daughters and just so honored you know, they, they come in and honor. And, and it's like, God, I've never expected, never thought of that. And then being able to, yeah, have gone around the world and have seen thousands of people come to Christ in all these different peoples around the world. How can it be? But it took seven years each time. I wrote each book. It took seven years of prayers and so on. The projects we did, the films we made, it, it, it all took that long. But then the purposes and plans God has for us, and, it, and all those things, not that I do it for that, but the eternal rewards that come. Eternal, we don't even understand. Like I said, I know four people died and went to heaven and came back, and it's so wonderful, they can't even describe it. They can't wait to go back. But to have eternal rewards up there, well, we can't imagine. It's so much worth, more worth it than whatever we can spend our time down here on. is to find out what God's plan is right now. And if you're here now, you're a part of His plan. If you want to be. And don't despise the day of small beginnings, like I said. I, I didn't know I would write a first book. It was, I was just writing stuff to pastors because nobody knew about Hawaiian history and what happened here. Nobody seemed to even care. But the day of small beginnings, just start walking in God's plan. Step out in faith first, and then you've got to wait for the fruit, though. Don't give up. Through all the trials that come, don't give up once you're on His plan. And next week, I'll talk about how do we know it's His plan, how do we hear His voice, and that kind of thing. That's another part of waiting on the Lord we need to have. But, you know, it, it's, it's so important. And, you know, I want to say that to, to Steve and Carly, too, because they stepped out in faith. You know, they live in snow country, way up north in Canada, and then the Lord just told them, sell everything and move to Hilo, of all places, if you're going to move to Hawaii, the rainiest city, uh, you know, in the United States. But like I always say, this city was built by God, because this is where the great revival was in 1800s, where Hilo was a town of 1,000 people with 10,000 people coming to church walking for days from, from um, Puna and from Hamakua to come to church. This is a city built by God, not because of nice beaches and nice weather, but called here. But wait for the fruit as, you know, the, the, you know wait. And that's the faith, right? Trusting in Lord and waiting in faith. For that to come. 
And so that's what I teach missionaries. Like I said, I've been teaching all around the world missionaries since the pandemic. I've only gone to New Zealand and Cambodia, though, but um, before that going. And, and it's teaching them, again, God has a plan there. Find His plan. Not the way I think or what my, His plan was for me. What is their plan? What is He doing there? And how to explain it to them in their way of thinking and their plan. So like uh, even this book, Ruchko, great book. I read it a long time ago and somebody had left it over there so I picked it up again about somebody who did something like what my mentor did. He went to a, a tribe that everybody, you know, he, they killed everybody who came, the Motoloni tribe in the Amazon. And how he went, joining in with God's plan and instead of being killed, he is celebrated there. And what they do is they live in these huge huts, like this high, like if this was their hut, and you have a hundred people living in this one hut with hammocks going all the way up to the ceiling. And he explained the gospel to them in their culture, the, the way God um, gave it to them. And one of, just one of the things, this book is full of them, this guy, uh, Bruce Olson, which they couldn't pronounce his name, so he's Bruchko. He's asking his friend, who's a Motolone Indian, do you, do you remember that I was afraid to climb in the high hammocks to sing? All night they would just sing. They don't have TV, they don't have Facebook. They just sing songs all night in this big hammock. So he said, you know what, I was afraid. Imagine hanging your hang up hammock from the ceiling here, and you got to climb up there and sleep. And that's why he said, remember, I was afraid to climb in the high hammocks to sing for fear that the rope would break. And I told you that I would sing only if I could have one foot in the hammock and one foot on the ground. And uh, his friend says, yes, Bruchko. And what did you say to me? And his friend laughs and said, I told you, you have to have both feet in the hammock. You have to be suspended. Yes, Bruchko says, you have to be suspended. That is how it is when you follow Jesus. No man can tell you how to walk his trail. All of these places, everybody has their own trail and their own marking so you know what trail it is. We should show the movie again, The, the, the End of the Spear. Because another Amazon tribe and everybody has their own markings. Um, you, if I had time, I'd tell you about the Korean people and in the jungle, everybody has their own markings. That's in Thailand and Myanmar. So here this is, you know, they have their own trail. And they want to, now are you going to follow your own trail? Make your own trail or are you going to follow Jesus' trail is what he's telling them. He can understand that, see. And he says, um, no man can tell you how to walk his trail. Only Jesus can. But to find out, you have to tie your hammock strings into him and be suspended in God. That's how we find the trail, his trail, and he'll show you what your specific trail is in life that's tied to him. 
And see, now when he shared it with this way, the guy understood. Instead of the Bible says in James 1, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways and he shouldn't expect anything from God. You know, it would be hard for him to understand that kind of language and so on. But you say, if, if you got one leg out and one leg in your hammock and you're tired, you know, you're, you're going to fall. You all in or you all out. If you want to see God's plans for your life, you got to take that step and you, you be all in. And you got to trust God. That's the faith you're building. Tie your hammock to Him and trust that it won't break. Be suspended from Jesus two feet in and trust that it won't break. Step out in faith that He will meet you. He will protect you. And so we need to be he said, suspended from God, and, and the, the Indian understood what that meant. And maybe that's better for us than the double-minded man is unstable, is on his, all his ways, don't expect anything, is commit and then fully be suspended from Jesus. you got to have that faith and trust in Him. And then, uh, you know, I, I know like, like Steve and Carly, you some of you have already done that and you're waiting for the fruit, waiting for the fruit to come. But if you keep on there and the, like I said, that's why Jesus came because we're not perfect. But if we stick with him. You went off course, correct, correct. The sooner we correct, the sooner you'll see the fruit. So if you're waiting saying, God, where is the fruit? It's trials waiting for the fruit just like my friend Don in, in that jungle. But if you stick with him, and the longer you have to wait, the, the more fruit. I'm going down to Kalapana afterwards, and they have avocado trees and ulu or breadfruit trees that they planted. It took a long time for them to fruit, but they are fruiting now. Boys, there's so much fruit. And trust him, because, yeah, he will bring that fruit. That's one thing I have faith in. Now that he's saying that, uh, you know, raise money for this uh, housing project, it's, uh, yeah, I'm not perfect, man. This is a stretch of faith for me. I never raised half a million dollars before. I'm saying, okay, I tied my strings to you, Jesus. You said you wanted this. I got to trust you. You're going to meet me. And that's why I say I want to take you guys down to YWAM and see the new building they built. Somebody else who saw it said, man, that's unbelievable. The largest, like I said, I think freestanding building, they call it, as big as a football field. No center supports. And they didn't have any money to build it. You know what God said, told them? Start preparing the land for the foundation. No money to build it? Okay, God, we suspended from you, you telling us you want this started bulldozing the land and flattening it out with no money to build. And they told me, yeah, two things first. Seed sacrificially. If you don't seed, how are you going to get fruit? And if you need a lot of fruit, you got to plant a lot of seeds. That's what they said to do. And that's what, you know, personally I have been doing. And now that, now that I need those types of seeds. So, you know, it's a stretch of faith still as we walk. But 
One thing, uh, you know, because he has been, that, that's one area I have faith in is that, yeah, he'll, he'll meet your plan. As far as raising those funds, it's a stretch of faith for me. Actually, I've been praying for this for about seven years now, too. And it was nothing, nothing, and so difficult. And now things start starting to happen with the meetings I had in Oahu, too. Um, you know, amazing things. So, okay, let's uh, pray. And uh, what I want you to do is just bow your heads. But if you want to tie yourself fully to Jesus, not one foot in, one foot out, and you want to say, God, Jesus, I want to be suspended from you, just trusting in you, in your plan for me, and trusting that you will meet me, and I want to choose that because we have to choose. He's not going to do it because... What kind of God would he be showing us, the kind of people he wants us to be, if he forced us because he has the power to? So he, even though he's all-powerful, he doesn't force. We have to choose that. But if you are choosing, maybe you've already chosen, you're waiting. But if you're choosing to suspend yourself from his hammock, put two feet in and totally be suspended on Jesus, trusting in him that he loves you, and he has a great plans and purposes for your life for eternal rewards, no matter how old you are, how young you are, and that those first steps. The Bible says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. And you want to take that? Just with your, all your eyes closed, heads bowed, just raise your hand. And I will pray for you. Okay? Just keep your eyes closed and, you know, and I will pray for you. That's one thing I have faith in. Okay? Okay. See those hands. Anybody else want to say, suspend myself in Jesus? Okay. Father God, you see all those hands. And I know you are faithful. And I know you love them. And you've already proven your love by dying for these people. They can trust in you. That you will not break. That they can suspend themselves from you. Be all in. For you, and, and you will show them how to be on your trail, and then you will show them the trail that you had them born for, that you had destined for them from the beginning of the world, the plans and purposes, good plans of a future and a hope you made for them with eternal rewards. The, the only thing we can do on this earth that has eternal rewards. And you loved them so much, you didn't want to be in heaven without them. So you died for them. And then you want those eternal rewards for them. So, Father, we ask, and I know right now, as they follow after you, your word never returns void. Always accomplishes its purposes, and you proved that to me. And I know that as they stick to you through all the trials, you will prove it to them. And so I thank you for that, and I thank you for their faith to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we'll have a last song. As you guys have, uh, as you suspend your hammocks from him, that faith to trust in the almighty, all-powerful God.